We had a classic in Seattle, a head-scratcher out in Boulder, a close one in Tuscaloosa, and a straight-up beat-down in Baton Rouge. Not just one game, but two games ended in last-second Hail Marys. Welcome to the TNA Top 10 Week 7 Review for the 2023 college football season. Andrew, it was a wild one this week. What do you have on your mind? Terry, I hope you've got enough liquor in that liquor cabinet to make it through this show because it is officially fuck Ohio State week because Penn State is coming to the horseshoe to whoop that ass. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen this year. They've only won two of the last 12, but don't argue with me about this because it will do you no good. And by the way, to all of our faithful listeners, this is why we do not have a swear jar. This episode specifically is why we do not have a swear jar. Because quite frankly, Terry would be breaking out his fucking Amex if I had anything to say about it. But here we are. It's fuck Ohio State week. I'm excited. I hope you're all excited. Terry, let's fucking do it. Okay, first off, my rosary is right over here in the same room with me. If I need it, I'll break it out. So, you know, I'm here. I'll balance things out a bit. Ah. Yeah, we'll we'll see. He what got happens. mad. Well, let's let's do a peek behind the curtain. Terry wasn't mad. Terry was annoyed that I beat him to the tweet the Twitter this time. And I announced to everybody that it's fuck Ohio State week on TNA top ten. <laughs> and and Terry just didn't know what to do with himself because we did the rankings, he sent me the graphic, blah, blah, blah. And at that point, I took it upon myself to let everybody in America know all 27 of our listeners, that it is Fuck Ohio State Week. Now, this is one of two installments because we got the Michigan game first, or second. But we're going to talk about Penn State, talk about the way James, James Franklin is going to defeat Ohio State in the horseshoe in front of 108,000 fans. And I'm going to drive Terry crazy because they are his number one pick again. <laughs> and he has no defense for this nonsense. So I am fired up. So, Terry, it might be your funeral. This might be our last show. Who knows? <laughs> so listen, I tried to warn you guys because uh, it was going to take a lot to budge on anything this week because Ohio State played nobody, Penn State played nobody. I got my Michigan hand up. Can I? Nobody. Can I? Can I say something? Because yeah. I want to correct you. Yeah. It wouldn't have taken a lot. It would have taken one of those five teams losing. Oh yeah. For us to move the top five. Well, I'm just saying. I mean, any movement at all. I mean, Florida State played Syracuse. So, you know, Syracuse has kind of dropped off the table. They were the only team in the top five that played anybody at all. I mean, no offense to – I know there were conference games, but, you know, we're talking Vanderbilt, we're talking Indiana, and we're talking Purdue. These are not the class of the conferences here, obviously. You know, Vanderbilt's still working with half a stadium. You know, we'll, we'll probably get to that at some point. I mean, get my to question it, was, well, my question was, are they even going to have a scoreboard put in place? It is far worse than just a scoreboard, though. The scoreboard is still kind of swinging in the breeze, but they have sections of their stadium that just don't exist at this point. It, it is embarrassing. SEC school, huh? Yeah, okay, whatever. But, yeah, why are we leaving with that crap? You know, we we had a classic – this weekend, you know, um, we knew it was going to be that way, or we were hoping at least. Man, Oregon and Washington, they put on a show this weekend. It, it was pretty awesome. Did not disappoint. And I don't know if you want to go ahead and 
let's start talking about them oh, now. Yeah. But uh, do it. I I was all in on the Ducks. You guys know that. I was yeah. quack quacking Terry. I mean, and I give it to Dan Lanning. He's got balls that wouldn't fit in a five gallon right. bucket. Not only once, but twice going for it on fourth down rather than doing the field goal. But I thought about this in our discussion. We were talking about it. Then you rely on the kicker to make the last second field goal that you didn't let him kick earlier in the two games, to earlier twice in the game, to collect six points, which would have potentially gotten you out of the situation you were in to begin with. A lot of pressure there in Washington for that kid to make that shot. I don't care what anybody says. If I'm twice your age, you're a kid, um, you know, because I am not 40 yet. So when you're 19, 20 years old, you're in front of a sold-out capacity crowd. This is to take the game to overtime. There's going to be a lot of pressure there. But I think Dan Lanning is a great football coach. He comes from a great football uh, coaching tree. This one, he just outsmarted himself maybe. I get the need to go aggressive, um, and they didn't score nearly as many points as either of us thought they would. I think we fell short by about 15 or 20 points. But Washington made a few stops, made a few plays, but you and I were texting back and forth. Penix took three plays to make that touchdown that 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 took gave him the lead, and you said he was just sitting there. He was just waiting. Oh, for yeah. the Ducks you to could give see him the it chance. On his face. He wanted that opportunity. He was like, if I get in the game, it's not going to take long. And it was two plays. Yeah, or two plays, yeah. And in the big moment, this was my point about Penix, and I'll let you go. The the in the big moment, Penix stood up, put the put the game on his back, took the lead, and did what he's supposed to do. Now, if Washington allows Oregon to score, Penix isn't playing defense. But he did his job in leading his offense to scoring against Oregon's very tough defense um, because they still are a very legitimate defense. But uh, really impressed with this game. Would love to see it again in the Pac-12 championship game. I know I love Utah, but this would be a fun rematch, and it may be something we see down the line again. Yeah, and speaking of that, you know, when we did our preview show or, you know, after, like, you know, I've said it before, we decided to do this podcast a week before the season started so we didn't know what we were getting into but i stated that i thought oregon would lose to usc in the regular season and would beat them in the conference championship uh it looks like maybe you know i'm still holding on hope here i don't know if it's hope or just you know that prediction but the oregon washington and oklahoma texas are very similar it looks like there's nobody else in their conference that's going to match either one of those teams. And, you know, it's going to be tough to beat that same really good team twice. So um, I'm still holding on to Texas and Oregon with respect to that. But I I do have to say this, and you you texted me the other day that um, Washington made us liars. Um, I think what we lied about was their defense because – you know, I said statistically they looked good, but I thought they played enough defense because, you know, the Oregon offense is very good. And Bo Nix and that Oregon offense, they were having to scrap to get anything they got. And and they do that, and they're very good at that, but Washington's defense did just enough to hold them back. It wasn't just Unless an offensive 
shootout. I mean, those defenses played when they needed to. And let's face it, that's the one thing we did say, and we did get right, um, especially particular to the effect defense has on these offenses when we get to Notre Dame and USC later uh, in the show, is the one thing we did get right was that either team was going to have to make some stops. Oh, yeah. There was no way you're going to get through this whole game in a shootout where it's a 60-minute sprint to the end. Um, but it was nice to see Oregon didn't abandon ship. They stayed who to, true to who they were, even when they were trailing. They ran the ball. They still tried to play power football against Washington. Um, I think they finally met their match, though, in Washington. They finally had a team. Because Oregon, you know, you said it's Nike University. But they, they have the athletes in the Pac-12. But Oregon, running into Washington, actually ran into some very good interior linemen. They ran into some linebackers and some safeties that could cover their speed and didn't give Bo Nix any chance to throw the ball. He didn't have the time that he has enjoyed in the previous five outings. So that was really important. The other important thing is this is a signature win for DeBoer over there on the Washington sideline. Now, I told you, but I'll tell our fans, I went to Briarcliff University, which is in northwest Iowa. It's a private university, about 1,000 students. And it's in the NAIA. And DeBoer was the head coach of the University of South Dakota at the time. So I actually got to see during my time in college at Briarcliff, it matched up perfectly with his run where he won three out of four national championships. And only the, the, the two of the games he lost, one of them was for the national title. So uh, he's a very good coach, very well accomplished. It's taken him a while to get to that head coaching position. But one of the things I noticed is, uh, and, and you may disagree with this, he coaches like a Boise State coach. They have some oh, loose plays. Boise State coach to an Auburn fan. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. To, uh, you know, with the, with the way Boise State built their program with oh, yeah, Peterson yeah. and the rest of them, they've always got some sort of unique package, some different looks, some motions. Um, obviously the trick play that we make fun of Oklahoma for falling for in the 07 game. Yeah. But I mean, that was a very, very well coached Boise State team. Washington has very similar disciplines and they have very similar approach to the game where a standard 22 power or a, a go route isn't going to get the job done. So why don't we do this? Why don't we do a pitch, halfback, pass, throw, whatever it is. And they have a lot of fun out there, too. They've also got the athletes that allow them to take all that time to get those plays developing because those are not fast plays. Yeah. They take a long time to get everything in its place where it belongs. So good on Washington. Great win. Terry and I do not apologize for thinking Oregon was the better football team. I still think Oregon was the better football team. I think that maybe Dan Lanning outcoached himself trying to be aggressive, trying to go for those points instead of field goals, touchdowns instead of field goals. Because when you look at it, like you've said, statistically on paper and on film, you know what you're dealing with with Washington, a very dangerous, well-established offense that can score at will, led by a quarterback who, despite his previous physical injuries, has always performed at whatever school he's been at until he was on the sideline. So, again, great game. Would love to see it again in the Pac-12 championship. Um, although my, my quarterback from Utah made a return and all of a sudden 
they scored some points. They're not (laughs) Iowa anymore. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about the decisions and, you know, I struggled with this a little bit. I think it's one of those um, don't miss the forest for the trees things with Oregon. I think that Oregon is a program that expects that kind of aggressiveness. And I think when you interview for that Oregon job, they expect you to say, that's the kind of aggressiveness that I'm going to bring to this program. Sometimes, like Saturday, you can go directly to some decisions that were very aggressive and say they lost the ball game. The deal is, Dan Lanning's not trying to win a game. He's trying to build a program. And I think in the long run, that aggressive style and confidence in his players is going to pay off. This is not the same as us criticizing not kneeling at the end of the game when you got the lead with Cristobal. That's a completely – that's a stupid decision. This is a believing in your players to the point where you make something – make a decision that's questionable. But you still believe in those players. And, you know, I saw some interviews with, like, uh, Bo Nix – and they really believe, even after this loss, they believe there's a lot ahead of them. And that's what you want. You know, you're going to you're gonna fall short sometimes. But um, when you got a coach that believes in you that way um, and makes the decisions based on believing in you that way, even going for two early in the game, that's an Oregon thing. That's what they do. And um, it just kind of fits. So I'm not too upset about it. You can't – I mean, I – I say you can directly relate this loss to some decisions, but that's that's the kind of stuff I can get over because I think he knows that he's got another opportunity in a few weeks as long as they don't screw up before that, and it, it may be another magical game, and I can't wait for it. A couple of things on that. If Dan Lanning's calls to, to go for it on fourth down had resulted in two touchdowns, we'd be praising him and calling oh, yeah. him a super genius. Because, but you and I both were texting back and forth saying, this takes guts to do this. Mm-hmm. Not only did he do it before the half, but then he did it on the ensuing first drive, you know, after the, or after Washington had stuffed him before halftime, he does it on the very next drive, you know, that Oregon has the ball. So good on him. One thing I'm going to say about this though, is in 2008, Oklahoma played Florida for the national championship. Bob Stoops, knowing Florida's high-octane offense, at Oklahoma twice was inside the three-yard line, twice was fourth and goal, twice did not kick the field goal, and went for the touchdown, knowing full well that Tebow had all the weapons that year. Um, I mean, this is that, that Florida team with Rainey and Demps and all the rest, they were, they were ridiculous. The Pouncey Twins... Uh, Aaron Hernandez, you know, all of them. I mean, uh, Riley Cooper, all of those guys on that Florida offense. Um, criminals are not now, 10 years later, 15 years later, they could ball. And then you had Tim Tebow, who many people thought was the best all-around player in the NCAA at the time. Bradford and the company didn't have an answer for Florida that year. But my point was, it didn't do anything to Bob Stoops' legacy because he took the chance against Urban Meyer's Florida team that was exceptional. They were exceptional. And that's what we got to see this time was a very similar game between Washington and Oregon between two exceptional teams. 
This wasn't Maryland playing up to org to Ohio State like we saw last week. This was two very well-rounded, very complete football teams that are only going to get better. And the one thing that we both can agree on is their top 10 football teams. Yeah, and I really I wasn't buying into Washington nearly as much as I am now just because I, I questioned their defense and their toughness, but um, they proved me wrong. And there's a couple of Auburn points I'm going to make. First off, you mentioned the Tebow Florida teams. We are very proud to say that Tebow Florida teams were 0-2 against my Tigers. Throw that in there. you know. I do love Bo Nix. And I think my second point was probably, man, Auburn fans are watching this and watching Bo Nix go, go off this year. And we're, we're very jealous because we know that when we watch our game, we are missing a quarterback. You know, we were really missing a quarterback this weekend. And let's segue a little bit into this game. LSU, um, yeah, that was um, that was impressive. You know, I, I held out hope that Auburn might show up and do something, but it didn't happen. I mean, that, uh, that LSU offense is, is good. Jaden Daniels is legit. Um, you know, I'd hoped that the LSU defense not being that great would help the Auburn offense, but it didn't happen. 18 points for Auburn, but LSU just poured it on. We talked about it last week. It's hard to beat LSU. It's hard to beat them in Death Valley. Mm-hmm. 90,000 people, that environment. It's a night game, which they seem to thrive on at LSU. Uh, very difficult, very difficult team to beat at home. However, they still are not a top-10 football team, which leads me, unfortunately, sir, to tell you, that Auburn's got a lot of work to do, which I think you you've acknowledged. And we've been pretty honest about both of our football teams on this show. Um, Auburn got exposed for everything that they are not Saturday night. And like you said, they don't have a Bo Nix calling the place. They don't have a serious passing game of any kind. Um, They don't have the players, unfortunately, to take advantage of the soft spots in LSU's defense because LSU is very vulnerable to not only being run on, but being hit beat deep, being beat very, you know, one-on-one situations because their defense is not what LSU defense has been in the past. So for me, this was disappointing mostly because we're friends because, you know, I don't have a dog in the fight against LSU and Auburn, but, um, Hugh Freeze is in for maybe a little bit longer of a battle than he thought, getting this team to look like a Hugh Freeze football team and to not look like a mismanaged uh, football team of the two previous coaches. Yeah, and here's my struggle. I don't have a problem getting beat by LSU. It was expected. My problem is that the timeline this season is Auburn went on their first SEC road trip to Texas A&M. They tried to pass, and it didn't happen, and they failed, and they looked foolish in that attempt. They came home, they licked their wounds a little bit, and they had Georgia coming in. So that's not an easy game, but they looked really good. They played good defense. They ran the ball. They stopped trying to throw the ball downfield, and it worked enough to keep that game close against the two-time defending national champions. Now, obviously, we've talked about Georgia 
kind of taking taking it easy a little bit when the competition's lower. So there was some of that in the Auburn game. But, um, you know, we as Auburn fans had a little bit of hope that they learned something from the Texas A&M game to the Georgia game. But then they took a week off and they went down to Baton Rouge and they had it looked like the same game plan that they went into Texas A&M with. And, and let me tell you, there, there's nothing that, that makes my blood boil any more than the combination of two things that happened the other night. So they would move the ball a little bit, and then Peyton Thorne would come in at quarterback, and the announcers would say, they need to pass the ball. So here comes Peyton Thorne. When has he passed the ball, guys? I have not seen that all year. Why is he coming in to pass the ball? He can't pass the ball. And the second thing is, Robbie Ashford sitting on the sideline. So, of course, the announcers say, oh, he threw for 337 yards against LSU last year but apparently he can't pass the ball, so we don't give him the opportunity. That is really frustrating. I don't even know what to do with that information. I've read some info about Hugh, Hugh Freeze deciding that the offense needs to change. Well, no shit, Hugh. I know you're in, I know you're in the first season. I'm not going to attack you right now, but my concern as an Auburn fan is – they have some pieces to play a hell of a lot better than they're playing, and they're choosing not to because Hugh Freeze thinks that he he coaches this type of team and he doesn't have the players to play that type of game. And that's my struggle. So, all right. That was my mini rant for the week. I, I told you it might come out at some point. I decided it would. That's the things that don't make sense to me for Auburn. But LSU, I still don't know if they're good or not. I think they've got a very good offense. Um, Auburn obviously didn't show how good their defense is because Auburn can't test that. But, um, yeah, LSU by that. And it also burns me up that you keep saying Auburn's going to get beat by 30. And, damn it, if they didn't get beat by exactly 30 this week. Well, here's the thing. Number one, gimmick infringement. I'm the only one allowed to get fired up on this show. I don't want our people thinking for any fucking second that you have – a sort of personality at all okay you're supposed to be mr this is the agenda this is what we're doing next andrew reel it back in i'm getting text messages folks behind the screen of terry telling me to chill out you know all this stuff he just, you know it's entertainment terry just go with it <laughs> kayfabe but, terry kayfabe okay. kayfabe terry kayfabe but terry gets fired up about auburn football as y'all heard but I think it's great that Hugh Freeze knows he has to do something different. Yeah. Here's my question as a outside looker, seriously, and I mean this genuinely. What the fuck can he do? I mean, you're six games deep into the season. You know where the limitations are. The problem is the reason you have those limitations is you don't have a solution to for the for the issue. So you don't have a that. means to solve the problem, is what I'm getting at. At least I wouldn't think well, six games into the season. So, okay. Other than you don't want Peyton Thorne as your starting quarterback. We've talked about that. Well, they did have a drive where they were throwing some slants. That was kind of working, but I don't know. There was this whole thing about him trusting the receivers. Uh, I don't know. The other guys seem to trust the receivers enough. Um, but let me – let me take you back to 2013. And I know 
that Robbie Ashford is not Nick Marshall, but Auburn ran the ball 85% of the time in 2013. You would think that SEC defenses would squash that running game, but they couldn't do it. If you have enough running backs, including a running quarterback in the backfield, and you can redirect some stuff and get linebackers going the wrong direction, you can run the football. And then once in a while, you pop a pass out of there. We don't need a guy dropping back in the pocket and throwing. You don't have to have that. We've proven that. That's what I want him to give a chance to. That's all I'm saying. Ladies and gentlemen, Terry just described the Nebraska offense from 1973 to 1997. Uh, It was very simple. It was run left, run right, run the middle, and then occasionally there'd be a pass. Well, and the thing a was, fullback in there, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, fullback dive was huge in Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Huge because, because I mean, this is the team that produced the likes of Schlesinger and Makovica, and um, those were the guys that helped win championships and build football teams. But to your point, because we can bond on this issue, Nebraska didn't have to throw the ball. Right. Uh, the Zach Weigert was the center on the ninety four ninety five teams, and he would tell people. We're going to run the ball right there. And then they'd run the ball eight yards. I mean, what were you going to do? How are you going right. to stop Joel Makovica, Amon Green, Tommy Frazier, Lawrence Phillips, Scott Frost? I mean, uh, Brooke Behringer. These are the guys that were in the backfield. Oh, Corey Schlesinger. So uh, the whole point was we got 300-pound linemen that can move. We've got the, quote, triple option. We just called it the option back then. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Tom Osborne knew how, to, knew how to call the option, and he knew how to teach the option. How many times did you ever see a Nebraska quarterback make the wrong read, whether to keep or pitch? It was very few and far between. But to your point, a running game does several things. It controls the clock. You control the ball. You wear down the defense. And you don't let their fucking offense back on the field. Right, and you so, let your defense rest. And this is why I scream at the television watching Nebraska. Chatterfield will call the offensive coordinator. We'll have a great drive. We're 50-50 blend, whatever. Okay, I can accept that. Next drive out, we're throwing three times, and we've less than a minute we've taken off the clock. And I'm like, wait a minute. What did you just do? This is not a passing football team, no matter how much y'all want it to be. And so I appreciate your concern with Auburn. Here's the problem, though. Do you have three guys that can run the ball? Yeah, we do. We have three guys that can run the ball well enough. What we don't have probably is that offensive line you're talking about. But the the deal is, with the offensive line we have, they run block better than they pass block. So we may not be at that elite level of triple option, top um, lineman, but – if you're going to do the best with what you have, let them run block. Let them run block. Let them have some fun. Let them put some people on their butts and um, confuse the defense. I mean, what else? What do we have to lose at this point? We're, we're talking a three and three team. Um, you know, we've got, there's probably a winnable slate of games coming up. You know, Auburn's schedule was three games that are very winnable, four games that are very tough, four games, and I'll include Arkansas because I still don't know because Arkansas is, like, really good sometimes and really bad other times, four games that are winnable. Schizophrenic. 
and then it ends with the Iron Bowl, and you just bring everything not out winnable of, out of the pantry and do whatever the hell you can in the Iron Bowl, and just throw some magic in there. You know, that's what you do there. But those those next four games after the Ole Miss game, come shut up. Anyway, it's happened before. Shut your mouth. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, Ole Miss this week, it's at home. So I'm really interested to see how they play at home. I don't know if Auburn this year is a very much a home away kind of team. Sometimes that happens because, you know, the one SEC game they've had at home, they almost beat Georgia. The two road games, they looked embarrassed. So I don't know if it's a home and away thing or I don't know if that was their one punch for the year and they gave it to Georgia and they just failed. You know, who knows? We're not expecting well, what a lot. Be- yeah, what'll be what'll be beneficial to you for the old miss game is your D backs. We we both we both think very highly of your defensive backs, the corners and safeties. What's gonna be a problem is that old miss offensive line is big, yeah. strong, and athletic because they're built by Lane Kiffin and he, what he knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna call forty five passing plays a game. So he better have them back there being able to protect his quarterback, you know. Um and they can run the ball some. So I think the problem for Auburn, and I don't know if we're even going to get to this point yet if you want me to, I think the problem for Auburn will be being able to match up the physicality in key positions, particularly this week, the the line. I think the line is where yes. Auburn is going to have the biggest deficit against Ole Miss. And with Lane Kiffin's ability to 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 scout talent and to to get his guys in the right places – um, he's going to have some plays that are going to confuse your defense a little bit. And if those offensive linemen get off the ball and get a hat on a hat, your defense, your defensive linemen are never going to have a chance. They're just not going to, they're not going to make it. Yeah. And the truth is it doesn't matter how good your defensive backs are. If you can't get any pressure on the quarterback, they're not going to defend them all day. They'll get open eventually. Yep. And, um, that's what's happened a little bit. Or, you know, they take advantage of the linebackers and, you know, you got the world's greatest tight end like Bowers and he just eats them up. So that's what happened against Georgia. But um, pressure on the quarterback's been a problem. The defensive backs are great, but you got to have more to your defense than that. But let's move on and, from Auburn because, you know, people don't listen for Auburn talk, right? You got one more point on that? Sounded like you did. All I was, all I was going to say is, to, to, to emphasize your point about the D-backs, in the modern way football is played, they can only hold up for so long before they get a holding or a PI call. Mm-hmm. It is that simple. And then, 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 of course, you end up with the first down. You're asking those backs to defend for a very long time on certain plays. And unfortunately, like you said, if Old Miss is controlling the offensive tempo of the game, they're going to get gassed. And then that's when they get gashed because that's when you make mistakes is, you know, you're tired, your focus is off. And the next thing you know, they've dialed up some play on third and seven where it's headed to the end zone. So we've seen Lane Kiffin do that at, at uh, Tennessee. We saw him do it at USC. We saw him do it at Alabama and you and I had saw him do it multiple times against LSU two weeks ago or three weeks ago at this point, whatever it was. So anyway, just finishing your just finishing the thought on Auburn. I don't I don't like that their defense doesn't get a timeout or a break. Yeah. That's gonna be something that hurts them. But anyway, 
like you said, nobody nobody cares about Auburn. Move on, Terry. Shit. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about some fun games. We didn't watch either of these games, but they're you know obviously they are all over the place with um, coverage on results. Uh, the first one I believe was Thursday night, maybe um, Houston with a hail mary against West Virginia to win forty-one to thirty-nine on a successful Hail Mary. And not just one Hail Mary, Colorado State. They've been talked about a lot more this year than they're used to. A Hail Mary for Colorado State to beat Boise State 31-30. You may not have seen this game. It probably ended at 2 a.m. because, you know, it's a West Coast game. But, um, yeah, that – Two Hail Marys that were successful to end football games this week. That's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever happened before, you know, at least this notably. And uh, that, that there were some great memes out of the Cougars and uh, West Virginia Mountaineer game. I mean, there were some great memes. I think I sent you one of them. Not appropriate for the show, but it is what it is. Um, and I didn't realize the boy, the Boise State or the uh, – the Boise State game, but you know, one of the reasons I will not watch Boise State. You want a tangent on Boise State, Terry? Here we Do go. It. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a little tangent on Boise State. So first of all, Boise State was chronically overrated because if they ever actually played any of the big boys, they were never gonna win. Save for the Oklahoma game. At least that's what we all like to think. But the really, really, really irritating thing about Boise State is the fucking blue carpet. Have you tried to watch that shit? 4K, 8K, 12K, 16K, it don't make a damn. You cannot watch football with blue turf. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'm making this up as I go along. Just roll with it. But the the bottom line is, if you got 8K, 18K, or 88K, it doesn't fucking matter. The blue carpet is atrocious, absolutely atrocious, and should be banned. I don't care if it's what they're known for or not. The blue carpet has no place in college football any more than the wave does these days. So let's move on from both. So, you know, I've always thought that the reason they did a blue field is because it's cold. And maybe the blue makes the players feel like it's even colder or something, some psychological kind of stuff. I don't know. But one of the directional Michigan schools has a red field, right? Something like that. Probably. I I don't watch them either. Yeah, I know there's a black field somewhere, (laughs) it seems like, but it's like a JUCO or a a Division Three. I don't know. But, you know, you think the blue is bad. At least it's in the neighborhood of green. Red or black, that is – that's pretty ridiculous. And, of course, I'm being half-assed facetious, but only half-assed because we're not going to whole-ass it like Ron Swanson told us. But at the end of the day, it's extremely hard to watch. Like it, it, uh, That is a legitimate complaint I have about watching Boise State is that that blue turf makes it very difficult for me to watch. Now, everybody else oh, yeah. might think it's great, but when I'm sitting here watching a football game on a 10-year-old Samsung television and I'm sitting here trying to see what's going on and it's blue instead of green, it just it just messes with me, so... Anyway, good for Colorado State getting that win, particularly because they haven't been very good this year. Yeah. It's actually not that they've been very good. It's that they've not been able to close. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the larger issue. But this one, they finally got one. And, of course, they had to do it on the Hail Mary, so why not? You know, I mean, it. Uh, like I say, good for them. Good win for them in the Mountain West, I guess it would be, right? 
because yeah, they're not Mountain in the Pac-12, Mountain West, Mountain whatever. West. Um, good for them. The Mountain West don't mean nothing, Conference obviously, game. to us because right. we're not going to watch it. You know, most it's going to be all time. they have over uh, on the on the Pacific Coast pretty soon. And we're, I mean, that's all they're. Gonna I'm get. glad about. Yeah. It. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that. I hate that Cal and Stanford are in a conference called the Atlantic Coast Conference starting next year, which is this the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But the fact that we're going to have fewer games that start at 10 p.m. Eastern, start at 10 p.m. Eastern, I'm old. I can't stay up that late. You want me to watch exciting football? Play it a couple of hours earlier. Anyway, that's that's my little mini rant. Let's stay out there a little bit. And, um, you know, I made the little mini rant and I think Dion's words were, this is the dumbest thing he's ever heard where they started at like eight 30 or something like that. But, it was um, late because they didn't get done. They didn't get done until one 30 or two o'clock Eastern standard, yeah, which as all of our fans know Friday is night. the only way we tell time. <laughs> it's not standard. It's daylight saving, but you know, that's the nerd in me saying that. Not until after we hand out candy at the end of the month does it switch over. Uh, I think, and we should get rid of it that. because we don't need the sunlight anymore. But oh. whatever. Oh, you want to argue about something? We'll argue about that one, buddy. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, ben- so, Benjamin so Franklin's Dion. dead, and he's on the hundies. That's I all think, that matters. I think Dion Daylight realized. Daylight saving time is out. Dion realized that his team doesn't play very well after about ten p.m. So he saw they're ready coming for bed because they just dropped off the table. Well, it's 29 to nothing. And like uh, Shadur is sending out links on his Instagram to like purchase T-shirts and stuff. And then they go from 29, nothing lead at halftime to getting defeated 46, 43 by Stanford, which is, you know, this is not the class of the Pac-12. This is, this is going to be a, bottom layer team in the ACC next year. It's still weird to say that, but Stanford with a big win over Colorado and it's um I don't even know what to do in my mind with Colorado at this point. It's like they they play a game where they storm back on USC and then they do this. It's um I'm going to bring that I word in, inconsistent at best. Is all I can say about Un- Colorado. Undisciplined. You're up 29 points. You don't lose the game. Yeah. So for those people that wanted to crown Coach Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, as Nick Saban, as Kirby Smart, as Dabo Sweeney, as Ryan Day, as Urban Meyer, as Bob Stoops, or anybody else that's listed as one of the greatest coaches in college football history, he's not it yet. He let his team get so down that they blew a 29-point lead and they lost in double overtime. So, number one, as a former player, I don't know how the fuck you blow a 29-point lead. I really don't. Never seen something like that in my life. Number two, you are the leader of your offense, and you're busy selling your shit online during halftime. It could have been because all you're not. You know, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to drag him through the okay. coals over something. You know, okay, it might have okay. been somebody else or it might have been automated. It, it's really badly timed and it looks bad considering what the results were. So I don't want to necessarily say that he he had his phone out doing that, but it's not a good look. Not a good look at all. And then for you to just be completely ineffective and neutered by Stanford, to which your point was, this isn't the Stanford that produced Christian McCaffrey. 
This isn't a Stanford that had Andrew Luck lead him to a Rose Bowl. This is a bad version of the Stanford Cardinal that we've seen in the last 15 years. And without, I mean, not led anymore by David Shaw or Jim Harbaugh. So there are no excuses for Colorado's collapse. We made an excuse um, with the USC thing. I think we made an excuse with Colorado State for them. There's no excuse for this. Right. This is bad coaching and worse playing. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm at on that. Because you blew a 29-point lead. Yeah, the other games, I think, even the Colorado State game probably. You know, there's been this narrative of we're not there yet. You better get us while we're while you can. This game doesn't fit into that narrative. Not you at all. Plenty of talent to demolish Stanford, and you were doing it, and then you fell off and you lost. This game, you cannot use that excuse for this game. You can use it for the USC game. You can use it for the Oregon game. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on the Colorado State game because it was such a big rivalry. This Stanford game should have been at least a three-touchdown victory after the 29 to nothing lead. I mean, if you let them come back a little bit in the second half and then you turn it back on, that happens from time to time. But, man, this was messy. But anyway, yep. we can we can just we can dig in on that all we want, but we might as well move on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Colorado does, and even if they make a bowl game, because I mean, at this point, this is the part to where you start questioning: Are they going to get six wins? Because this was supposed to be one of the definite wins on their schedule, and if they can't beat Stanford, how do we know they can beat anybody else for the rest of the year? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. All right, so let's go to some bigger matchups. We've kind of poked around at some Auburn LSU and, and some Hail Marys and some Colorado. Let's go to Ann, Ar uh, Ann Arbor. Look at me. South Bend, Indiana. South Bend. Ladies and gentlemen. I, no, I stopped myself. Let's go. Here's my problem. When I knew it wasn't Ann Arbor, I start thinking, and the only thing I could think of was French Lick. It's like, oh, God, don't think French Lick, Indiana, you dumbass. Why is Larry Bird coming into this conversation? Anyway, USC Notre Dame, um, it was not a game. Um, you know, we talked about USC not having a defense, but that was not the story this week. The offense just didn't show up. Turnover city here. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to think Notre Dame is as good as we once thought they were or if USC just isn't anywhere close to what we thought they were. I don't know. I take the hot tag on this one, Kerry. Very, 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 very simple. USC sucks. Notre Dame is as good as we thought. Five, one, two, three, four, five turnovers this week. Three interceptions, two fumbles. You don't win football games that way. You predicted they'd only score 20 points. I said 13. USC scored 20 points. I don't think anybody in America believed that Notre Dame would hold them to 20 or less. Based on who did we, you know, who have we seen them play and who have we seen them beat? Notre Dame is a legitimate football team. Did they lose to Ohio State on the last play of the game? Absolutely. Did Louisville have their number? Yes, they did. But then Louisville went ahead and shit the bed last week. So, I mean, 
you know, and they that is that is exactly what they did. They shit the bed. I'll get thought, to that in a little bit. I've got we'll, a theory yeah, yeah, we'll on that on. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's save that because I've got a definite theory about that one. But um, but I said really showed up. I said last week Marcus Freeman looked like he was uncomfortable in the head coaching position when Louisville just kept coming at him and he didn't have an answer for him. This week, he had an answer for everything Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, and all of USC brought to him. There wasn't something that Notre Dame wasn't prepared for. And what I love as a defensive football guy about this football game is every single offensive snap that USC took Notre Dame put pressure on Caleb Williams in one way or another. If it was a five-man rush, if it was a blitz package, if it was an exotic look, if it was a stunt, they pressured him every single down. He never took control of the game. He never looked comfortable. And they made our reigning Heisman Trophy winner look ineffective. Absolutely neutralized the quarterback Saturday night. Great win for Notre Dame. Big win for Marcus Freeman. He needed that win as the head coach of, of Notre Dame football. He's got a bright future there at Notre Dame. They're going to recruit off this win. They're going to be able to continue to build the team. And if you're a really good defensive player, these are the types of coaches that you're going to be looking to go play for because they're the ones that can help you get to the next level. So really good win for Notre Dame. Not a Notre Dame fan. Never have been, never will be think very much more of them than ohio state though <laughs> and we will get there but um notre dame really great game saturday night yeah i was going to mention that they're um probably number two on your hated list but um they are definitely in my category of when they're good college football is better for it um so i'm glad to see notre dame um doing a little bit of something this year with some defense and a good quarterback that um, apparently is very attractive. I don't know. I'm jealous of hair, obviously. So um, I'll let you ladies have all that. But anyway, um, Notre Dame with a huge win. It's more than I thought it would be. You know, I expected Notre Dame to win. I even thought maybe they'd win by 10. I texted you between the Oregon-Washington game and the USC Notre Dame game, I said, Penix is better than Williams. And you said, save it for the show, Terry. Put it in reverse. Let's not have this conversation now. And um, at why least not? This, Let's do it. Yeah, at least this season. I mean, I was I was already impressed with Penix, you know, big Penix energy or whatever they say. Um, but he, he showed a little more grit than I thought he had. I kind of wondered because, you know, he's been injury prone. He has ended, what, the last three seasons with injuries? I'm hoping that doesn't happen or whatever. this year. Yeah. yeah, I hope it doesn't happen to him this year. You know, maybe Caleb Williams is drafted higher because the NFL doesn't necessarily look at results as much. But um, I was really impressed with his grit because I know Bo Nix has grit, and he showed it. But Penix, I, I was – I think he definitely had a Heisman moment in that Oregon game where he was – I could see it on his face on the sidelines. You let this get, guy get back in this game, Oregon, and he's going to make you pay for it. And he did. But, um, you know, Caleb Williams, uh, the question is, what are we going to do with this if we're USC? This is one loss to a pretty good Notre Dame team. 
What do they do the rest of the season? Do they say this the is prob- not happening again? I don't know. Do they have opportunities to even put themselves in the conversation? I, I don't know. I think the problem is their schedule because it's not going to get any easier. Yeah. Um, they drew Utah, if I'm not mistaken. They have Oregon or Washington as well. So um, it's not going to get any easier for USC. In fact, I'm going to look it up while we're talking. But um, USC looked looked uh, unimaginative Saturday night. Mm-hmm. They looked uncreative in their approach. You just mentioned three of the top four quarterbacks, in my estimation, in the league at this point, in the NCAA. Uh, yeah, next games, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA. And UCLA, so that's a team that really doesn't get talked about much, but they got a pretty good quarterback themselves. With the exception of Cal, there's, there's not a, a easy game for USC all the way out. Right. Now, if they if they get to the Pac-12 title and win and are a one-loss team to Stanford or to Notre Dame, probably not the end of the world because they would have had beaten Washington, Oregon, and UCLA on, along with Utah on the way back. So probably not the end of the world. But the thing is, uh, with the exception of the Michigan quarterback, what I was getting at, you mentioned the top three quarterbacks in the NCAA, I think, this year. Yeah. The SEC doesn't have a quarterback this year, uh, other than LSU's quarterback, I guess, showing out a little bit. But I don't know, Milrow, uh, start- if you really start looking at the stats, and I know that we've struggled with Milrow um, progressing. I think he's improving. Um, he's definitely got the athletic ability. I think Milrow, as the season goes, is becoming much better. But he's not. Heisman Trophy. He's not elite. No, he's not. He's not in the running there. No. And that's what I was saying with those four. And you can add Bo Nix to that to make it five. Um, but that's that's really where it is. Um, I don't think that offensively USC is is hitting on all cylinders. I think that they've they exposed. They got exposed by Notre Dame. And here's the other thing: they're playing. Again, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. Every one of those teams can score. Utah's quarterback is back. The defense isn't there for USC. I see them potentially losing the next four or five because I don't give them a shot against Washington or Oregon after what we saw Saturday. I don't give USC a shot against them. If you if Utah's defense plays the way we expect them to, it's going to be another long night for Caleb Williams. Yeah, and then that leaves Utah you... at the wrong time because I think the Utah yeah. team with um, Cam Rising is much different than without him. Yeah, very good quarterback. Uh, they put thirty five up this weekend, but the biggest thing that they did all the way through with or without him was they've stuck to their defense. Fundamentally, they play good defense for for Utah. So. Um, yeah, I think USC's got problems. I think you called it early, Terry, and I was like, yeah, he's full of shit. But I, I think you said they – I know a little bit of something, you know. Well, I'm saying I think you said they, were, they yeah, could be an 8-4 football team. I haven't proved me wrong on State thing yet. Not yet, because fuck I got them. another week until my reckoning, at least. Or, you know, <laughs> you might have the best intro on this show ever if Ohio State wins this football game this weekend. Just He'll just be, be un, 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 un. Un, un, <laughs> unbelievably 
difficult to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. And this is what I deal no with every clue. day. If I had to pick my favorite team in the Big Ten, it ain't, it ain't Ohio State. That's the thing about it. It's like, um, you know, and I've tried to, and I'll explain it again. I won't, I won't belabor this point, but you know, I put them up there just because of that Notre Dame win, and Georgia kind of fell off because the top five teams are so close at this point, and we haven't had a lot of data points. And I thought, well, I'll put them up there, and I just haven't seen, and they played a bunch of nobodies lately, so I haven't decided. I haven't. I felt like there's no reason to move it, but. Um, it really burns me up a little bit because I picked Michigan to win the league, right? You know, uh, you picked Ohio State to win the conference, not me. So it's not like Ohio State's my favorite team in the Big Ten. They're probably my – I would say maybe my third favorite team as far as um, that goes. But, um, yeah, it, so this is not really a die-on-this-hill kind of team for me, but – Damn it, if I'm being criticized, like I said, I'm stubborn as shit. So get ready for it. Anyway. You will be insufferable. Insufferable. <laughs> and here's the thing. You said it already. We didn't really prepare when we launched this show. No. And I expected Ohio State to be a lot better than they are. And that is genuine. Like, I, they, they are not great offensively. They have a problem with ball control. They can't convert on third down. They don't necessarily know who they are offensively. And if you looked at the scoreboard this week and you're like, Andrew's full of shit. Look at the games they've actually had to play, though. And they are not the Ohio State that we're used to seeing. Defensively, they're lights out right alongside Michigan and Penn State. Yeah. But this Ohio State offense, even with Marvin Harrison Jr. there as the, as the leading wide receiver, is not something that I'm used to seeing where they look ineffective at times. But anyway, um, I don't know what all that was about other than you want me to say fuck Ohio State again. <laughs> but um, I'm going to say we'll it. Say, I'm telling you, for the hey, look, if, if if we had a swear jar, you would need an Amex. That's all I'm saying, buddy. You would need the American Express on this one. But um, the thing is, like, moving on from that, Michigan's quarterback is really, really good, and he's really, yeah. really motivated. And we may talk about him or we may not, but the big three in the Big Ten did not play anybody this week. N none of not them. Not at all. They're all, they're all warm-up games. And the problem is the only games that matter are when the three of them play each other because they all three, being in the East, have to play one another. Yeah. So you could potentially see three one-loss teams. I don't see it happening that way, but it has got potential. Poor Iowa. I mean – that's all I'm going to say about that. I was going to get stomped by somebody in the championship game there. But, I mean, that is the next thing I was going to talk about because there's three good defenses up there. We know that. Um, when they Exceptional go ahead, we'll, defenses. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see the first head-to-head -head between these teams this weekend. It happens to be at Ohio State, so that's going to help out a little bit. You know, I'm not going to go with cities mm. anymore. I screwed that up already. Anyway. Uh, it's Columbus. It's the horseshoe. It it's 108,000. <laughs> Fuck Ooh, Ohio man. State. But, yeah, so. Um, they no. have piss troughs. They put 108,000 people in the stadium, and they have piss troughs. I'm not interested. 
So, you know, Michigan wins 52-7 to against Indiana. Ohio State wins 41-7 to against Purdue. And Penn State beats UMass 63 to nothing. Don't be too impressed with that because Auburn scored 56 on UMass. That ought to tell you and here's how bad the, they are. Here's the thing. Michigan and Indiana, whatever, were tied, I think, going into the second quarter. And then Michigan decided they better show up and play. And they oh, they're did. a second, they third, and fourth quarter team. That's what they are. It's been all year. <laughs> That's exactly what they did, though. I mean, it was the lockdown defense. It was the running game. Indiana didn't have a chance. You move on to Purdue and Ohio State. I think they rested several starters on the offense for Ohio State, so they weren't really concerned about Purdue to begin with, and that one's a runaway. And then, as you just said, Penn State, UMass, I would really, if I'm the coach, not necessarily like the fact that we got a non-conference game right before we play Ohio State. If I'm James Franklin, I'm not really a fan of that because you need the intensity level ratcheted up a little bit, knowing that you are going into Columbus. You are going to have 108,000 people in that damn stadium, piss or not, and the horseshoe is not an easy place to win. The last time Penn State won in the horseshoe, was 2011, and if I'm not mistaken, that was Bill O'Brien. Hell, it could have been Joe Pa for all that matters, but because he coached forever. Yeah. But um, if I'm not mistaken, that was Bill O'Brien. James Franklin has only beat Ohio State one time, and it was in 2016, and they beat him with a field goal. Ohio State was the number two team in the country, but they beat him with a field goal, and they beat him in Happy Valley. He has never beaten Ohio State in Columbus but there's always a first. And this time, it's going to be the fucking Nittany Lions getting the job done in Columbus in front of 108,000 fucking acorns worried about the word the, and they're going to get their asses <laughs> whacked. Oh, man. So let's go I told to you a I'd big... be out of control. <laughs> let's go to a Big Ten game that actually meant something. And Maryland, as good as they've been this season, they had a let-up game here. The bad. Illinois wins 27-24. to 24. Illinois now 3-4, and four, but Maryland, second straight loss to now go to 5-2. and two. We've seen this pattern with some other teams that have been kind of like the second-layer undefeated team in conferences. Once they get that first loss, they decide, oh, we are who people thought we were. Let's lose some more football games, and that's what it looks like with Maryland. This was not pretty. Yeah, I th- I thought Maryland was going to hand Nebraska a W or a L for for sure. I'm not sure now because Illinois just—I mean, they didn't—they didn't. They didn't uh, did Maryland shoot their shot as you said against Ohio State? Did they didn't not have anything left in the gas tank? I mean, there is no excuse for Maryland to lose to this team, right. Illinois, and Nebraska beat Illinois. And I told you last week they should have beat them 45 to seven. Um, Nebraska, like like your Auburn, has three very winnable games coming up, mm-hmm. and then three that are maybe not so. And those last three are Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. So um, they have Northwestern, Purdue, and Indiana coming up in succession before it's Maryland, Wisconsin, and Iowa. So I think that I'm very disappointed in Maryland because I always want the conference to be as strong as possible, but it's very clear. There's three teams and there's everybody else. And unfortunately three of those teams are in the same, same division of the conference. And you're going to see, you know, that bloodbath 
you know, come to fruition here soon enough. But the West has always been Nebraska, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I guess Iowa too, in some regard, but, um, but Wisconsin, particularly in the early days of the big 10, since Nebraska joined, were always the team to be in, in the big, the big 10 um, West anyway. And that, I mean, right now the, the, the big 10, as strong as they are with those top three teams, they would be mediocre at best if only one of those teams was having the success they're having. So um, really disappointed in Maryland. Didn't even watch the game thinking that Maryland was going to just run away with it, to right. be quite frank. Exactly. I mean, because Illinois is not a good football team. Nebraska should have beat them 45-7. to seven. They only beat them 20-7. to seven. But Illinois was not a good football team the night they played the Huskers. So I'm seeing Maryland's talent. Tugavaloa is the quarterback. Mike Lossley is the offensive coordinator slash head coach. And all that talent they have and the speed on the in the receivers core and the way they handled Ohio State defensively. And I'm thinking, there ain't no damn way this is even going to be worth watching. And Illinois pulls the upset. So, you know, this really, might be one of those. Really bad, bad outing. This might be one of those teams versus program things because – a lot of these teams that look good, like a Maryland, it may just come down to depth. And you get an injury with one guy, there's nobody behind them. So, um, you know, that that's the struggle when you're a Maryland trying to compete, compete with the Ohio States or the Michigans in the Big Ten. Michigan's got another guy sitting behind somebody, you know. You know, we talk J.J. McCarthy, but – I don't know who the backup quarterback is, but I'm pretty sure he's a darn good quarterback. So, um, well, I, and you know, you and me say it all the time about these elite teams. They've got 85 players that can play yeah. and start on any of the other hundred and, you know, 32 teams that are in the country. You know, when you're talking about Alabama, you're talking about Michigan, you're talking about Ohio state, you're talking about even Penn state. I don't think they're quite there yet, but Georgia, you're talking about Clemson, these teams have players that could go to any team in the country and they would be the starting position. And that, I mean, it's that simple. Um, I don't think that um, to your point, Maryland even has the beginning of that depth. I know Nebraska doesn't have it. I know Northwestern doesn't have it. I know Illinois doesn't have it because like if you're in the big 10 and you're looking at what schools to go to. There's a lot of reasons to go to the University of Nebraska from an education and a wealth, the academic All-Americans, the history, the lineage, whatever. But if you're looking to go to win and play winning football, you're not looking at the University of Nebraska for the last 20 years. You're looking at Ohio State. You're looking at Michigan. You might be looking at Michigan State, despite the fact they don't have a head coach right now. And you're looking at Penn State. So um, I think that there's just too much depth on that particular side of the conference but again next year when we add ucla and usc it to the big 10 it'll be the big 16 um there's not going to be that question any longer you know it's just going to be a round robin i think it's a nine conference wins a nine conference schedule they have to have so anyway yeah let's um let's go down to the sec a minute and um I guess this can be considered a comfortable win, but it's not one of the most impressive comfortable wins you're going to see. Georgia plays in Nashville and beats Vanderbilt 37 to 20. Um, You know, I've discussed Vanderbilt is like 
SEC in name only to some degree. You know, they're good at baseball. They're pretty good at basketball once in a while. They're not a football team. Although, and I have to correct myself, Auburn is now 21-21 and 21 against Vanderbilt all time. So it's not a losing record anymore. We won the last one to pull into a tie. We've got a chance to take the lead on Vandy in a few weeks, just to let you know. But Georgia in half a stadium in Nashville comes away with a 37-20, not that impressive victory against Vanderbilt. And they lost Brock Bowers for the season, at least it looks that way. He's having ankle surgery. That's a big deal. Um, you can't lose that particular tight end. You just told us how important he was to the Auburn game. Mm-hmm. You get into these elite defenses where you're going to have to find some soft spots in the middle for those four to eight yard uh, pickups and carries. You're going to run a slant. You want to run an inside dig or whatever it happens to be. Unfortunately, you don't have the personnel now. He's probably the best tight end in the country. And he is such a huge part of Georgia's offense because he does block. He's not simply somebody who runs to catch the ball. You don't do that at the University of Georgia. You're going to have to learn to play on the line of scrimmage, and he's very good in that position. But the way it's looking is he's having ankle surgery, and this is probably season ending. Um, it was a high ankle sprain from what, was the estimate from what I read. Yeah. So then maybe it's not, but he's having surgery. So six weeks right. is a hell of a fast recovery. It is. They do things you know? different these days. Yeah, I agree. Ankles are tough, though. I mean, that is, that is very difficult to come back from because – you're not walking if you're recovering from ankle surgery. Well, and you and I both uh, both remember him. I mean, uh, Jalen Waddle was the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy till he got hurt, and he played in the national championship game and really didn't need to. Um, but he was very ineffective in comparison because he was still hobbled. Yes. So don't put Brock Bowers out there in the SEC championship game either and expect Alabama not to tee off on his ass because that's That's exactly what's going to happen. But to your point on Georgia, number one, first piece of merchandise coming to TNA top 10 is a fuck Vandy shirt. And that was not my idea, by the way. I'm giving Terry all the credit because he's going to wear a fuck Vandy shirt for the Auburn game. And, uh, or actually it's not fuck Vandy. It's (laughs) fucking Vandy. Excuse me. So, so it's become a joke inside the group chat where Vanderbilt does all these outlandishly dumb things, like be even with Auburn. So now it's just like, fucking Vandy. And then they they lose 37-20 to 20 to Georgia. Fucking Vandy. So now when they beat Auburn this year, it's going to be fucking Vandy. So at least that's how I imagine it. But um, that's going to be our first piece of, uh, piece of merchandise, the TNA Top 10. It'll be available <laughs> soon. It's going to say then fucking Vandy. But... The uni- uh, Vanderbilt University, but you know, whatever. Ah, nobody gives a shit. They don't pay attention. <laughs> They're not listening to us anyway. So nobody's listening. This is just me and you having a conversation. Um, the other thing, though, Georgia, unworthy of a number one ranking when they come off of a game like that against Kentucky, and then they play like this. Again, they are the team that punches down. Mm-hmm. Michigan's not punching down. Ohio State is doing their damnedest not to punch down. Florida State certainly did not punch down this weekend. So when you want to punch down, unfortunately, somebody else is going to punch up. And Georgia is primed for a defeat. I don't know who can do it. If it's maybe Tennessee. if I, I don't know. But Georgia is primed for a defeat if they do not get it together. 
So, man, you say things sometimes that make me think of something else to defend myself on this Ohio State thing. So here it is. There's a collection of teams at the top that are inconsistent that have more potential than the other teams at the top. But the inconsistency is what keeps them out of the top spot. And Georgia is one of those teams. You know, the way that Georgia looked against Kentucky, I would love to rank them based on that. But that's not who they are every week. They've proven that's not who they are every week. They they crushed Kentucky, and then they come back and have, you know, this – I know it's a 17-point win, but it's Vanderbilt. Come on. So um, And it was garbage time where they scored a lot of those points too. Yeah, so – I mean, But then you don't see Michigan doing that. You don't see Penn nope. State doing that. You don't see Ohio State doing that. So, right now, you know, I know we hear all this Pac-12 stuff, and you kind of talked about the Big Ten being those three teams, and then it's a big drop-off. I get that. But those three teams are impressive. And I don't think any other conference comes close to having three top teams anywhere close to what they are in the Big Ten. So, I'm going to keep propping them up until something proves us otherwise. This game this weekend is going to be fantastic. But let's stay in the SEC, and let's go down to Tuscaloosa. And um, speaking of inconsistent teams, three-point victory at home against Arkansas. I'm telling you, man, Arkansas has got to start playing like crap. I have got to count this on Auburn's wins. Arkansas has got to quit playing good games against good teams, damn it. What did you see? Yeah. So this is what I saw. Like Nick Saban, I saw a very gamey Alabama play two and a half quarters of football yeah and then and then it went sideways and it went sideways fast um if this is this to me is a microcosm of the alabama season and i've been watching alabama football for 15 years at this point yeah me too uh i understand terry it sucks to be on the losing end (laughs) Uh, but the microcosm is you have the three point lead. Mm -hmm. It's time for the victory formation and you get a procedure penalty. Oh, that's been plaguing them for two years. You, you couldn't, you couldn't even get lined up to end the fucking football game. I mean, that's atrocious. You want to, and Nick Saban, rightfully so. Lost his shit. We got the hand gestures. We got him turning away from the camera. We got him doing the whole screaming and everything. I mean, he was Nick Saban, and I was so happy to see it. He was at his best in the last 31 seconds of the game that didn't fucking matter Saturday. But um, that's the Nick Saban everybody wants, except maybe his players. I don't know. This is not. This I don't want to say it, but I might. This might be his worst team that I've watched him coach. Well, you don't count because the 07. Even his... 07 was his first year. They, I mean, they, that's the year they lost to Louisiana Monroe. They lost five games say, of the 29 yeah. that he's lost in his entire Yeah, so I would tenure. start it in 08 because that one's one of those you can't really count. Yeah, 08, 24, I believe, was their rank. They go to the SEC championship game against Tebow and company. And then they get Tebowed. But you know what happened the next year? 
They sent Mark yeah, I know Ingram what loose. Happened the next year. And and then they went to a national championship game. And you know, I mean, one well, luckily of six, buddy. Well, one of luckily, six. um, yeah, I'm not gonna say whether money changed hands or not. We're not talking about that. But luckily oh in twenty ten, Auburn was able to slip one in to keep it from being four straight there. Cause it was Alabama and then it was Auburn, then it was Alabama. Then it was Alabama. And it's like, we can't have good things. You guys got to triple up on us here surrounding us. That's how it is to be an Auburn fan. Yeah, but you had Cam the man, so, you know, it was all right. For one season. See, we didn't even have a good video game with him on it. You cannot find a college football video game that really takes Cam Newton into account the way he was supposed to be. He's on the 2010 game, but nobody knew who he was at that point. Nope, but anyway. but Alabama, Alabama better get their shit together because this week coming up, and we'll talk about it. They got Tennessee, oh. and uh, both you talk about inconsistency, buddy. We've used that word a lot tonight. You know, kind of like we said complete last week. Uh, yeah. Alabama's inconsistent, and so is Tennessee. Tennessee did not look great in their A and M game. We'll hold off on that. No, we won't. We Let's get there. go right into it because that's okay. next. we're staying in the SEC. Twenty to thirteen. Well, so, I picked A and M, and um, you know I, I got to quit picking A and M because go Vols. Yeah, um, I guess maybe that whipping that they gave Auburn got it in my head. They're better than they are in playing a close game with Alabama, but. Um, you know, and maybe I'm not giving Tennessee enough credit, but Tennessee did what they needed to do and won by seven points. Yeah, not a great offensive outing from Tennessee. The The defense of, of uh, A&M kind of kept it tight like we thought they would. You know, they were able to make some plays in that corner thing. Right. But I think that even though they've got Jimbo Fisher there, A&M isn't recruiting at the highest levels of talent either in the SEC because of course you've got Georgia, you got Alabama and you got everybody else. But you've got a lot of talent rich schools in the SEC. No offense to Auburn, but you and I've had this conversation already about Old Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas. Those are kind of the bottom end of the of the talent spectrum in the SEC because then you've got Florida despite the fact they're not good right now. They're still Florida. Okay, people are still going to go to the University of Florida to play football. The same as LSU may not be as good as they've been in the past, but people are still going to go to Louisiana State University to watch, you know, or to go play football. Alabama, same deal. Michigan, or Michigan, God, Andrew. Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia. All See, I said same. Ann Arbor. You said Michigan when you weren't supposed to. I, I know. I, I, I don't know what said Michigan. But, but Auburn, or not Auburn, excuse me, A&M is out in the middle of nowhere, and God in Texas, do they love football and them college station fans are rowdy but Jimbo has not been able to get the recruits that he got at Florida State that helped him win a national championship and I don't think he'll ever will because not only is he recruiting against the the SEC proper but getting the A&M recruits he's recruiting against both Texas and Oklahoma well they're also about to be the SEC and it's not going to get any better No, it's a very difficult proposition all the way around. So, um, I, you I cannot don't give think Auburn that... the excuse. You talk about um, teams not having the recruits. When when I look at blue chip ratios, Auburn's in that. Auburn's in the top ten in four star, five star players. Um, 
it's not that Auburn's got a bunch of three stars down there. It's just they, um, I don't know. I, I don't, it's just a mindset that's got to change. Um, they don't have the linemen. Obviously, we talked about that. We're used to having linemen. But um, Auburn's got players. They just haven't used them very well the last two or three years. No right. quarterback. And like you said, like you said, one of the problems uh, Auburn's had developmentally where you have a Florida, you have a, a LSU, you used to have a Tennessee, you have an Alabama. Those are programs. They're not teams. Right. And you've said it, you know, even talking about one time with the Bo Jackson days and then, of course, the 04 team. Talk about Cam in 2010. You can the talk about that. Pat what, Sullivan. <laughs> what was it? The 13 team? Was it 13 with 13. Uh, Oregon Auburn for the national? No, that was no. 2010. It was that Florida was State. Oh, I saw Florida video State on Auburn. that today. And I Florida State it. Auburn, that's And right. I'm going to say his name this time. I tagged Dave on a Florida State Auburn video because Auburn was up 21 to 3. Yep. In that 2013 national championship game or 24, whatever they call it. It was in January. And, um, damn it, Florida State. Famous Jameis in the crowd. Yeah. Yep. That was. And didn't they win by a field goal or something? They threw a touchdown right at the last second. I don't remember what the score was, but it was just out of the reach of Chris Davis, who was the guy that ran the kickback, the field goal back for a from touchdown. From Alabama, from the Iron Bowl. In the Iron yep. Bowl. So it balanced out for him. But that's okay. It was a good season. Um, you know, Heinz can move on. <laughs> yeah, but the good – no, like I say, the good news – the thing I was getting at, though, was I don't know that a and has got that developmental talent to be able to play. Now, they, they'll play with Alabama. They'll play with Tennessee. They'll play with Auburn. Yeah. But they can't put it all together – I saw some statistic where Fisher is now almost. like, yeah, he's zero and eight or something eight against top road five teams. No, road I, losses, I think that's yeah. Conference road losses. I'd have to look it up, but it's crazy. Um, he's just not winning on the road. It's not good. It's not a. It's, it's not, not something to be proud of. It's not something to put on your resume. Well, no. let's move anyway. out to the SEC a little bit. I think we've got um, we've got Georgia. As inconsistent as they are, obviously the top dog in the SEC and everybody else is kind of at the same place. Alabama keeps squeaking by. These are games they used to win by quite a bit, and they're not doing that. But as long as they keep winning, they're going to keep winning and they're going to go to Atlanta. But let's move on to the ACC. And I was talking Florida State, and I didn't really realize they were next on my list. If there's a top team that actually played somebody this week, I'll give them credit for the Syracuse game here. Syracuse a couple of weeks ago was undefeated. Florida State said, you're not sneaking up on us. 41-3, to played good defense against a Syracuse team that's won some football games this year, and they moved to 6-0. and And they listened to us because they got the rushing game uh, defense under control. There was no 300 yards given up this week to Syracuse, and they made Syracuse um, look ordinary. I mean, they they – you know, this is a Syracuse team that was pretty gamey, real physical, likes to play deep in the trenches, and they didn't have an answer for anything that Florida State did in this game. Not a thing. I believe the score was 41-3. to Yeah. Um, you know, just a country ass whooping on, on Syracuse. And this is Syracuse's third straight loss. They started yeah. out 4-0, and 
Um, but they ran right into the teeth of the ACC between uh, what was it? It was Carolina. It was was it Duke? Was it Duke that beat them? Duke, Carolina, and and or no, it was Clemson. Clemson beat them to begin with, and then uh, Carolina, and now now uh, Florida State. Florida State, thank you. So I mean, it's uh it's a little un, I guess, unsettling if you're a Syracuse fan. Devin, sorry, buddy. They aren't as good as you thought they were. But um, you know, you gotta hold on to what you can when you get a few wins to start out the season. That's okay. Exactly. I I had his permission to use his name on the show. But um Florida. That's got good news and I'll get to that in a minute. You know, that point that I said I'm delaying on, I think Syracuse is gonna be included in that. And you'll understand what I mean by that when I get to it. Yep. And like I say, but, but, you know, if you've got North Carolina right now, I'm looking at the top 10, North Carolina and Florida state representative of the ACC Duke, because of that one loss has dropped all the way to 16, but you've got three teams in the ACC in the top 10 or top 15, 16. And I don't care what anybody says. Clemson is still a very good football team. Yeah. So the way that Florida state was able to handle Syracuse really does matter. They offensively, you know, just kind of dog walked them. Defensively, they made those adjustments to to perform better, and they might be on a collision course in, you know, setting themselves up anyway uh, for a um, yeah, because they got Duke this week, and they do not play Carolina in the regular season, so they may end up with North Carolina in the ACC title game. Yeah, and uh, Clemson, you mentioned them. They're another one of those high-potential, lack-of-consistency teams that they basically live to make us look foolish with some picks, you know? Because te- I hate those teams when it comes to picking a game because you don't know which one of them is going to show up. You know, with Alabama, right. I pick Alabama to lose two weeks in a row and they come out and put it on people. And then freaking Arkansas comes in and, and plays a three-point game with them in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, neither one of us thought that – I mean, we didn't say it, but neither one of us thought Alabama was going to have any problem with Arkansas. And when you got up to the halfway through the third quarter, it was 24-6. to six. They weren't having any sort of issues, and then all of a sudden, here comes Arkansas, you know? Um, unfortunately for Syracuse, they never had the option because no. – um, Florida State never gave it to them. And, I mean, they gave them every bit of what they wanted, though. And so I think you see a Florida State team gaining confidence. Mm -hmm. This is the rest of their schedule. Duke next week, then Wake, Pitt, Miami, UNA, which is a throwaway game. And they close the season with their rival, Florida, from the SEC. So here's, here's a little trivia fact. UNA, that's the University of North Alabama. That is in Florence, Alabama, and that is my birthplace. But anyway, they're going to get their skulls beat in by Florida State in a few weeks. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, Carl, Carl, our buddy on uh, on Facebook and through our wrestling group, was talking about UNA on Facebook today. But um, I don't think UNA has much of a chance against the Seminole. No. Now, they did win three consecutive Division Two national championships when I was in high school. And, you know, maybe we'll get into that in another show with some history there because that's kind of an interesting thing. But uh, 
we'll leave that behind because right now we're talking about week seven and we're talking about the ACC. And oh, one other thing, Terry, my bad. Yeah. Number number four for Florida State played lights fucking out. The receiver yeah. for uh, for Florida State. I'm getting. I'm pulling it up, but uh, uh, yeah, 22 first downs. Good lord. Um, let's see, Travis receiving, let's see, 14 for 72, I don't know who number four is, but it had to have been, I don't, I honestly don't know, I saw it in the highlight reel, um, I probably got it for you, Travis right went, here. yes, number four is who it is, it might be the one who got hurt, uh-oh, yeah, I hit the video button there. Y'all heard a Atta gobble, boy. gobble. I'm leaving that shit in. Who cares? Yeah, leave it in. We don't care. You know, I started going uh, to NCAA.com because ESPN throws out some videos accidentally sometimes. But And, and then, then I they did it to you anyway. Myself. And then I did that yeah. to myself. Anyway, I was real close to figuring out the guy's name. But anyway. Yeah, but anyway, number four, he had a he had an amazing performance and uh, made a couple of huge plays, big momentum game for for Florida State. I mean, when Florida State was up seventeen to three at the half, and then they added another twenty four points, so they did not let up. Is my point? Um, really, really, really good football team, good win, and obviously worthy of our top five ranking. I think uh, we haven't gotten into the exact ranking. But I think we have them at three uh, between the two of us. So, anyway, um, yeah, Florida State's a legit team. I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like because they are going to play Miami and Florida. Um, and those teams are always tough just because of who they are. But, anyway, let's move on, Terry. Yeah, we I'm got rambling. them at two, actually. Um, Florida State is at number two behind Michigan in our ranking. Oh, Georgia, yeah, because of Georgia fell. Yeah. Not it at number three there. Okay, yeah. so we're going to stay in the ACC a little bit. And you mentioned North Carolina earlier. Um, you know, Miami was undefeated for a while until a really stupid coaching decision got them their first loss. But uh, a 10-point victory for North Carolina. They keep moving along. Um, and Miami, um, you know, they were having a good season until they started playing conference games. Now they're starting to be shown for what they are i think yeah and um unfortunately doesn't do you any favors talking about a&m because they just that was their most impressive victory and performance yeah. to date and they certainly have not been able to replicate that north carolina is getting it done week but these are the scores okay so they had the 31-7 game against 17 game against sc we talked about that app state near collapse 40 to 34 minnesota they beat 31-13 Pitt 41-24, Syracuse 40-17, Miami 41-31. So, we talk a lot about how much the Pac-12 scores, but North Carolina's offense is finding ways to put 40-plus points up in three of their six games, four of their six games, excuse me, 30-plus in the other two. So that's a lot of points to be scored. They haven't gotten into one of those dog fights, seven to ten games or anything yet. And Mac Brown's got that offense humming and strumming. This is the remaining schedule for the University of North Carolina. UVA, and we know Virginia is not good. Anything Georgia Tech. In the state of Virginia is horrible this year. Georgia Tech after that, not good. 
uh, Tam, which I don't even know who that is. Obviously, it's one of those beatdown teams. And then they draw in succession Duke, Clemson, and North Carolina State University as the closeout. So um, they should be 9-0 and going into the Duke game. Should be 9-0. and and then they're going to have three very stiff games. I don't think North Carolina beats Clemson. I'm going to say that right now. I know That's we're six tough. weeks away, five weeks away, but I don't think Clemson loses because guess what? They're playing in Death Valley. Now, if North Carolina takes Clemson down in Clemson at Clemson, got boost them you up. talk about a you talk about a signature win, buddy. But they got Duke before that, and they got North Carolina State after that. And like a lot of these rivalry games, throw the record book out the window when NC State and, and UNC come to play. You know, it, it gets chippy, it gets ugly, it gets ridiculous. But Mac Brown, to his credit, has this team, especially the offensive side of the ball, really just humming and strumming. And even though I'm not his biggest fan, Gene Chiz's defense is working. They're getting the stops. They're getting the turnovers. Yeah. When they needed them, they got them. Yeah, and um, you were talking about Duke there. Duke's got a few games ahead of them where they can really push on some teams and, and show that they're still at that level. You know, we kind of forgot about them after they got their first loss. But, um, you know, they've got an opportunity, Florida State, North Carolina, to finish this season off strong. But yep. there is another team in the ACC that we can talk about here that was looking pretty strong after last week, and uh, maybe we should have seen this coming, but Louisville, 6-1 and one now after an impressive 6-0 and oh start and defeating Notre Dame, they fall 38-21 to Pittsburgh, and um, – a little bit of a shocker here, but um, that's rough. Yeah, Pittsburgh is not a good football team. I know that uh, uh, the defensive coordinator from Michigan State's the head coach there, um, and I forget what his name is off the top of my head. So they always play really, really tough uh, football. But um, I thought – Louisville, the way they played against Notre Dame, they're going to run away with this one, buddy. Yep. I mean, I I think we even joked about it that this game wasn't even going to be worth turning the channel for. Um, and you know that sounds unfair or whatever. We don't try to be that way, but good football games are good football games. So um, anyway, didn't really think that Pittsburgh was going to have um, that sort of game against Louisville. It makes you wonder, though, because we know what type of team Notre Dame is. Um, was Louisville really that good? Did they overlook Pittsburgh? Are they moving on? I mean, I got what in the world happened? I got okay. the answer for you. It's not just the Louisville thing. It's the next game I'm going to talk about, too. <clears throat> and we can throw Syracuse in there, too. Kentucky goes down 31-21 to Missouri. And all I can think of for maybe all three of these teams is basketball season started on Sunday with practices. And um, I think they did enough in football to bridge the gap, and now they're moving on. 
That's all I can think about this. Really? Because this is what happens with Kentucky every year. They win a few games. We get excited about them. Then roughly around the time basketball starts, they just fall off. I didn't expect Missouri to beat them. I know there's been people really pushing Missouri, and they had they were undefeated for a while and took the first loss last week. But um, I really thought Kentucky was going to bounce back and win this football game, and they didn't do it. I was really disappointed in Kentucky's performance because immediately they almost surrendered. You know, they come up, they jump up fourteen, and then Missouri claws back into yeah. it, and then Missouri just locked it down, and Kentucky didn't have a good answer for them. I thought Kentucky was was a better SEC football team, but it looks like what they're doing in Missouri is actually adapting to the conference finally after being so long in the Big Eight, the Big Twelve. Um, maybe Missouri is not as bad as I think they are. Well, the weird thing about Missouri, I think they won the won the East. You know, they put them in the East as geographically incorrect as that is. But Missouri won the East the first two seasons they were in the league, I think, and got um, dog walked. Yeah, by the West. Yeah, they did, and that's how it was back then. But then they've just really fallen off since then. It's good to see them back, but. You know, I really thought Kentucky was gonna was gonna win this football game. That's disappointing. They're now five and two, and we probably won't talk about them a lot for the rest of the season. Maybe they'll sneak up. On not till not till bowling time. So we've kind of run through those big games and some shockers there. Um, we didn't really run down the top ten. We talked about it a little bit. Uh, if you want to see the full top 10 rankings for this week, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. We are T and A top <laughs> 10. T Weave 79 and Andrew is 30, your fan. Check us out there. Follow us. Um, we got increasingly more graphics coming out every week. I'm very close now to a computer poll that you all can laugh at and we can poke fun at it pretty soon. I don't know what those results are going to end up looking like. I'm sure there will be some. I'm sure Ohio State's going to be like running away with number one when I do the computer poll. And you oh, my God. It's because you – It's because you – Yeah, you, you've got them in there for – You give them 20 points for every win and give everybody else four. Exactly. That's what that shit is. Exactly. Undisputed number one team, Ohio Even, State. They'll probably, get beat by, they'll probably get Fuck beat off. by Penn State this week, and they'll still be number one in the computer poll, so it'll make it look you even worse. Go get that ass whoop. Go get it whoop. <laughs> Penn State's defense is legit, Terry. Going to be an ass whooping in fucking Columbus. So let, let's talk about what undefeated teams we have. Obviously, that's changed quite a bit this week. We've got 11 total FBS undefeated teams. The Big Ten leads the way with three. The big three we keep talking about, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Obviously, that's going to change this weekend. We've still got two in the ACC between Florida State and North Carolina. There's only one undefeated team in the Pac-12 now, and that's um, Washington after their win against Oregon. And uh, one in the Big 12 since Oklahoma beat Texas. One in the SEC, and that's Georgia. No surprise there. One in Conference USA. Liberty continues to play nobody and win. One in the Mountain West, and that's Air Force. And James Madison keeps pushing along to be the only undefeated Sunbelt team. I thought uh, Mac, but yeah, that checks. Sunbelt, whatever. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I went yeah. through the list. I'm like, who's got a zero there? It's not like I knew it off the top of my head. All right. So, you know, that, that kind of wraps up this week and our rankings and who's still undefeated. So let's get, let's get into the dangerous part of the show. Let's make ourselves look like fools. Let's look at this week. My favorite part of the show. So, dangerous. My ass. You know, uh, I think. I uh, love being foolish with you, Terry. Just for the record, <laughs> I want all of our fans to know. I thought that Kentucky was going to put Georgia on the upset. That didn't happen. I thought, I thought that USC was going to get their asses beat. That did happen. Um, I thought Oregon was going to do a lot more damage to Washington. That didn't happen. I'm going to tell all of our fans right now, anybody that listens to my voice, I know a lot about football, but apparently I am very Lee Corso-ish when it comes to picking wins and losses here on TNA Top 10. But at least I do it with enthusiasm and no apologies whatsoever. Well, I I will let the, the people know that are listening um... – I had not tracked any of these picks the whole season. So last week, I listened to the last 20 minutes of every episode just to hear what we said. Apparently in week three, we decided to pick half the games. That's where we got most of our losses because we picked every game possible. It was ridiculous. I think we picked like 12 games, and, um, and we lost quite a few of those. We did, we've done pretty well once we've settled in. This week wasn't great. We both picked Oregon, obviously. Uh, you're still winning, beating me by one. We were tied going into this week. Yeah, but you picked you against Tennessee two. again, and I told you about that shit, Terry. Just like I'm about to tell you about Penn State. No, so it's your death warrant that we're writing tonight, sir. Well, here's something interesting. You know, I said last week that um, – you know, it was interesting that we had Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday games. Apparently, it's a weekly thing. We got it again this week. I will. Um, so, I'm going to list out the games only of the undefeated teams for the Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, Middle Tennessee plays at Liberty on Tuesday night, a Conference USA game. Uh, Middle Tennessee's two and five. Liberty, as I stated, six and zero. Oh. Thursday, we got a big Sun Belt matchup where James Madison and their six and zero goes to Marshall at four and two. This may be where it ends for James Madison. If you're interested in that game, that'll be on Thursday night. But Nobody's to... interested in those games. Yeah, but if it's the only thing you got to choose from, oh, that's true. But Thursday night has NFL too. It's kind of like the um, Smith Toothpick Bowl that happens on like December twentieth. You know. I just made that up. Exactly. Smith toothpick bowl. I don't know why I said that. Anyway, so let's talk about Saturday. This is where the games really are. And we're going to start out big here, Andrew. Big, big, big. Early wave of games on Saturday. Let's go ahead and dive into it. In the Big Ten, Penn State, number five at number three, Ohio State. Pick it for me, Andrew. What do you got? All right, Terry, the moment all of our fans have been waiting for, as I like to refer to it as church. And let's begin with the opening and only verse that you need to know. Fuck Ohio State, today, tomorrow, and forever. Penn State is due to win one. It's been seven years. It's been 11 since they won one, or 12 since they won one in in, uh, in Columbus. 
This game is going to be very defensive-minded, but I think Penn State's got the better offense at this point in time. They're going to run the ball. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to do a couple of funny things to, to get by Ohio State's very good defense. Extremely good. Not shitting on them other than the fucking word the. Absolutely out of line with that shit in that article. But anyway, moving on. Penn State wins this one. It's one score. The one score game. Are we are we picking scores this time? Because I did not Absolutely. do well the last time. We're okay. gonna pick score. We're not gonna worry about the scores. We'll we'll worry about the winner record, but we're gonna throw the score out there just to make it fun. Because you shit Penn on State, me one week because of that. So we're gonna do it, damn it. All right, I'm with you. Penn State thirteen. Ohio State six. Wow, you really expect the defensive struggle here. Would you argue with me when they're the numbers two and three best defenses in the country? I would not. I gave them a little bit more offense than you did. I've got Ohio State, the home team. And to be quite honest, I was probably going to pick the home team by not much, no matter who it was in this one. I'm not an Ohio State homer, no matter what you guys say about me. Lying motherfucker. 23-20, Ohio State walks away with this one just because it's in Columbus. That's my pick. Terry's always safe, ladies and gentlemen. Just like his first time, this is going to be fucking awkward and brief. Go Penn State. Okay, so let's uh, move uh, to elsewhere in the early wave of games. The SEC has Mississippi State at three and three, visiting Arkansas at two and five. <laughs> A couple of bottom dwellers. <laughs> That's the only SEC game in the first wave. Hey, you want more? Who cares? Listen to this. Who cares from the ACC? Boston College at three and three, visiting Georgia Tech at three and three. I'm just saying. This is all you get from these conferences in the first wave this week. So we don't have, you know, there's not going to be any competition in this first wave of games. I may not even turn the second TV on this week. It's going to be oh, Penn God, State, not Ohio the second State. TV. And that second TV is going to be gathering dust because there's nothing else. In the Big 12, we've got UCF at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to roll on them. I'll probably turn that game on just because it's Oklahoma. But here's another one. Undefeated Air Force at 6-0 plays at Navy in the Mountain West in the early wave. There is only one game really worth watching in the early wave this weekend, and that's the Penn State-Ohio State game. So now let's go to the middle wave. It's going to kick it up a notch a little bit in some of these conferences. This is probably your second favorite game of the weekend. Tennessee at 5-1. Alabama. Number 10 in our poll at 6-1. and one. I will go ahead and pick this game first. Let me scratch my head. Or your ass. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say, and I, I told you, I'm not picking against Alabama anymore this season. Probably not even against Georgia. So, Bama, we'll go with 31 and Tennessee – 24. Your turn. In the words sir. of Lee Corso, great pick. Great pick, sir. Here's the thing. 
both teams are inconsistent and they're inconsistent at what they do offensively. Um, You wouldn't think a Josh Heifel team would have this many problems this late into the season, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I'm always going to, going to bet on defense when it comes to Alabama, why the fuck not? So I'm going Alabama going to win this one. And I think we get a. I think we get a very close game. I'm going 27, 21 roll tie. You know, what's going to happen since we both picked Alabama, right? Tennessee's going to win. That's right. Only That's in your wettest, works. wildest dream, sir. When you, you wake up it, with you... sweats and you think Alabama's lost. Actually, what's going to happen is the day that Alabama announces the retirement of Nick Saban and the erection of the Saban statue, there's going to be another erection in Alabama, and it's going to be Terry's because finally after 15 or 16 or 26 or 38 years or however long Nick Saban decides to coach at the University of Alabama, he's going to be gone, and Auburn might actually have a chance to win a football game at the end of November or the beginning of December when it matters the most. But until then, roll tide. Okay, a couple of things here. And this this is this is kind of a heartbreaking thing to say as an Auburn fan. Gus Malzahn didn't get fired because he couldn't beat Nick Saban. He beat Nick Saban more than anybody did. He just couldn't beat Kirby Smart, and he couldn't beat LSU. And that's why he got fired, to set the record straight. But I got a story to tell you about this. As an Auburn fan in Alabama, so, like I said, I grew up close to Florence. That's where the University of North Alabama is. I attended Auburn. When Nick Saban uh, – I live in Huntsville now. When Nick Saban got hired by Alabama, you know, I knew Nick Saban was a good coach, right? But I'm back home, and I visit the grocery store that I worked at when I was a kid, you know, or, well, when I was in just getting started in college. And there was some kid there talking to somebody else saying it's just gonna it's gonna be just like when bear bryant was there and i'm sitting here rolling my eyes so hard i think about that all the time that i thought that kid was such an idiot and now he has surpassed you know that's my opinion surpassed bear bryant six six terry oh man six national championships and i don't have to remind you but i'm going to anyway six plus he's got one with lsu yeah yeah. Well, that was, yeah. I will say, uh, I'll give, um, that's one of those, um, he got it in one poll, USC got it in another poll thing. I do have to bring that up. But um, but you look, you look, just as a thought on that, the, o, the uh, 03 or 04 Tigers, whatever it was, I think it was 03. 03. You look at the 03 LSU Tigers, but look at their coaching staff. Jimbo's the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Will Muschamp's the D.C., Nick Saban's the head coach. Yeah. Um, Kirby Smart is the linebackers coach, if I'm not mistaken, um, or secondary coach. So you got all these future head coaches yeah. on one team that all now run their own units other than right. uh, Muschamp, but he has in the past. Uh, incredible coaching staff. But here's the thing. I couldn't tell you who LSU's running back is. Couldn't tell you who their quarterback was. Couldn't tell you who their defenders were other than they had some good ones. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you who the hell the coaches were on that staff that year because that's really where a lot of this started, you know, for Saban. But uh, really great team, great staff, whatever you want to call it. But I think, uh, like I said, all joking aside, teasing Terry, uh, Alabama gets this one, and they're going to get it by a score. 
this isn't going to be a runaway, and it hasn't been. The Tennessee they haven't Tennessee games anybody. are not. Yeah. No. Nah, yeah, and they're not. This isn't going to be a runaway. Um, and I don't think it, even in the Tennessee rivalry, since I've been watching Saban, you know, I I said it a few weeks ago. They needed as they called him Mount Cody to block two field goals in Knoxville yeah. when Lane Kiffin was the head coach there at Tennessee to get the job done. So it's not like Saban has Josh Heifel's number. They've played one time. So we'll see what happens. But I think the Tide get it by a, by a, by a score, probably six, seven points. All right. I almost said the word sound good, but, you know, there you go. Sounds good. You could say roll Tide like the rest of us. I don't think I will. So, anyway, elsewhere in the SEC, well, let's talk Missouri as we talked about them being 6-1 and one and bouncing back with a big win against Kentucky. They – they're hosting South Carolina. South Carolina's two and four, and man, I don't know. They played a decent game against Georgia. Hey, man, it sounds a lot like Auburn. Played a decent game against Georgia. Hadn't done much else. Oh man, played a decent game against North Carolina, but it was yeah. the first game of the year. So, um, I think that SC is dangerous though because they are that two and they four are. team. I don't think you want to overlook them if the game's in Columbia. The crowd will be rowdy. Uh, if it's out there in Missouri, you know, good They're luck. They're both Columbia, but yeah. Um, it is in Columbia, but the Missouri brand of Columbia. Yeah, good luck selling that stadium out. I'm sorry, Tigers fans. Um, what did we say they call it in... Como out there? We never heard that in yeah. life. But apparently never heard that in my life. <laughs> and I lived in the Midwest for 25 fucking years. Never heard that shit ever. Como. But anyway... I think I think in this one, as long as Missouri executes the game plan, they've got the they've got this one. But do not sleep on South Carolina because they're that team that will just beat you, and uh, they've got enough talent to do it. All right, well, let's move to the Big Ten in the middle wave of games. Um, maybe a couple of decent games. We got Minnesota, who's three and three, but maybe better than a three and three record. Traveling to Iowa, who just keeps winning, even without offense, they are six and one. Yeah, fuck Iowa. I'm about sick and tired of hearing about Iowa because Nebraska, believe it or not, in our delusional optimism, we have a chance to win the Big Ten West. Now we got to win six straight games. I want to hear no nonsense, Terry, because <laughs> the first three are really winnable. But Iowa, somehow, to your point. They beat Wisconsin this week, fifteen yeah. to six. Fifteen to I'm six. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised they scored fifteen points. No, you picked thirteen to six. <laughs> yeah, I I, I'm surprised. They, no, I'm surprised. No, I thought that Wisconsin was going to win by like three scores. Turns out that none of them knew how to score a touchdown. Fifteen to six became the score. I mean, that's ridiculous. But yeah, um, Fickle, I thought was going to get a nice signature win against a well-established coach, and that didn't happen. Uh, leads me to believe Wisconsin isn't as good as I thought they might be this year. But I will say this about Iowa. They obviously are doing enough of the right things. They're going to grind you out. They're going to make you earn every yard because they can't score. The Iowa football team does not score. Um, that's why it was so impressive to me when Penn State beat them the way they did because they they held them to less than 100 total yards of offense. Um. And that doesn't happen to Iowa. Iowa doesn't get bullied. But in this one, I'm going to give the nod to Iowa only because whatever they're doing is working. 
This might be some voodoo bullshit, but whatever it is, it's working. All right, the other game in the Big Ten, and you'll be watching this one, obviously. And you said it's the first of their string of winnable games. Northwestern at 3-3 three and three visits Nebraska at 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, so Nebraska and Northwestern have this really weird dynamic that they um, – they exchange wins and losses. They, they, you, we've had a Hail Mary. We've had some overtimes. Uh, we've had a blowout, you know, where Nebraska just dominated Northwestern. Yeah. Um, of course, the thing that got Frost fired was blowing the game in Ireland. That was one of the big things because Nebraska really should have won that game. Northwestern does not have a prayer in this game. Nebraska's favored by fucking 11. That means we'll win by three. Um, <laughs> And we'll commit 17 turnovers. No, I'm kidding. A little bit. But the the offense will be the problem there. Um, This one uh, is the start, to me, of the winnable games for Nebraska because – and there were a couple other winnable ones previous to this, but you have Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State. I think I said earlier Indiana, but it's actually Michigan State. Then Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. So I think Nebraska can be six and three headed into the Maryland game. I think Northwestern without a head coach is a problem. I think Purdue's got their issues. And of course, we know about the shit show in Michigan State. So I really think Nebraska can be a six and three team. As I joked with you, that means they might be, you know, uh, four and six instead of of six and three. Um, Yeah. Because they have a tendency to be their own worst enemy. But in this game, I really like, I really, really like um, Nebraska because Northwestern and Purdue are both in Lincoln. And even though it's been a long time since Nebraska has played for national championships, 93,000 people screaming at you in Lincoln and the, the, the video, the production, the balloons, the fireworks, the pyro, the music, it's really, really hard to overcome that environment. It still matters. Just like as I I said about LSU, I'll say the same thing about the horseshoe with Penn State. Um, those 108,000 people that are going to be in, in Columbus for that game are going to be difference makers in some way. Um, but, yeah, I, I give it to Nebraska. I think Nebraska wins this game, honestly, by 21. And... I think they need to have a statement win, and this is the first of three that they should win, and then, you know, the other three will be will be games they'll have to earn. All right, well, let's move along. Um, I'm just going to mention this. I don't see there being any chance of this being a good game. But the middle wave in the Big 12, the only game worth mentioning, worth watching here, is number eight, Texas at 5-1 and one at Houston at 3-3. Three and three. Then let's move to the Pac-12, because this game might be interesting to talk about. We've got Washington State at 4-2 and two at number 9, Oregon, coming off their loss at 5-1. and one. This shouldn't be a close game. What are the chances that Oregon, after the big game at Washington, comes out flat and Washington State decides they're as good as we thought they might have been a few weeks ago? and they show up here and make it a game. 
no chance in my estimation. Oregon's going to be physical. They're going to be mean. They're going to be out for blood. Um, they're going to be out to prove that they still are a top 10 football team. There's still plenty of games left to play in the way that the conference works. Of course, they have to win every game. And, of course, the way that the uh, the college playoff works, as we learned tonight, is going to be October the 31st for the first poll. you got to win style. And Washington State's a very good football team. I don't think defensively they match up well against Oregon. I think Oregon's got a better defense. I also think Oregon's got better talent all the way around. Because, again, we talked about this a few weeks ago. In the Pac-12, you've got USC, you've got Oregon, you've got Washington, you've got Utah, and then you've got everybody else. As beautiful of a place as Corvallis, Oregon might be, you're not going to Oregon State. You're going to Oregon to play football. You're going to Eugene. Same thing with Washington and Washington State. As pretty as Washington State University may be, you're going to Washington. So they're not going. There's going to be an athlete mismatch. The only thing that gives the Washington State football team a fighting chance in this, in my opinion, is the hangover from the Oregon Washington State right. Washington game. But I think Dan Lanning is a good enough coach, and I yeah. think he's got a well disciplined team. That Oregon hasn't played flat against anybody this year not at all and i think he gets i think he gets them motivated well yeah but that fourth quarter they ran away with it right yeah so i think i think landing has him motivated again i think he knows the right buttons to push on that team of his and i think they get it done and i think they get it done pretty handily this week i think so too uh just kind of in my mind i I like good games (laughs) so I thought there might be a chance here. You know, we we missed some things like the whole Pitt versus Louisville thing, which looks like it set up well for that. And I just kind of – you never know what game's going to sneak up on you. And, um, you know, I'll be interested to see how Oregon bounces back. So let's go to the night games. And we're not picking this game because I refuse to. In the SEC – Ole Miss at five and one travels to Auburn at three and three. This was a game at one point that I thought might be a close one. Um, and Lane Kiffin's talking it up like that, but I think in reality, unless Hugh Freeze shows up and decides he has mastered something, this should not be close because Ole Miss just has too much offense. Yeah, so Ole Miss has the athletes, they have the offense, they have the line, they can play enough defense, they're going to get the stops. They're going to make Auburn one-dimensional. They're going to make Auburn run the ball. And then when Auburn attempts to throw the ball because they're two scores behind or maybe even three, it's going to get real ugly from there. At Is it at home or is it at Auburn? It's at Auburn. Okay, so maybe not so ugly. 17 points. Old yeah, miss. and that's – this is where we really learn, was that Georgia game, was that just Georgia playing flat and Auburn, that's their punch for the year, or is Auburn a much better home team than road team? I think this game really reveals that, um, but I don't expect to win here. I expect at least it, I expect it to be a game in the first half, but I think Ole Miss will just pull away from them in the second half. 17 I think about right. I think there's too much and it's no offense to your team Terry. I I think it's like when we're going to talk about, you know, um Maryland and 
um, Iowa and Wisconsin, I will temper my comments about Nebraska. I think Nebraska has a fighting chance against all those teams, but realistically, I think all three of those teams are far better than Nebraska is right now. I think that's the situation you guys are running to at Auburn right now, is you just have too many better teams that have had the advantage on the recruiting. Because the problem is when Hugh Freeze comes in, he has to use the previous recruits. And it's not that those guys are bad athletes, but they're not for his system. So now he's got to rebuild the whole system, as you can appreciate. Meanwhile, Lane Kiffin has been at Ole Miss long enough. He's got his guys. And, you know, that's that's where I think we really see the difference. And when I said I think they make Auburn one-dimensional, if Kiffin goes up two scores because of that offensive power, he's going to make your quarterback throw the ball. And when he does that, when your quarterback has to throw the ball, the I think that that's when you see Ole Miss put five or six guys on the line of scrimmage and they start to make Peyton Thorne very uncomfortable because they can play one-on-one. They proved it against Alabama. And they proved it against LSU, even though that was not a defensive match. They were not afraid to put their safeties and corners on an island alone. So um, I just think that Ole Miss has got just too many weapons this time around. Next year, that may change. But to your point, playing at home does matter and may temper how successful Ole Miss is in this football game. Jordan Hare has some magic sometimes. I don't really feel it happening here, but we'll see. It'll be a good game same, to watch. Same team that took Georgia all the way to the limit, though. And, I, I mean, you pointed that out, but we'll Georgia see. has not been tested by anybody like they were by Auburn. Yep. And so there you go. We'll know a lot more this time next week. Well, let's move to the ACC. Uh, one game worth mentioning just because it's one of the bigger teams, but they're playing a nobody. Virginia at five at one and five travels to North Carolina at six and zero. Oh. This shouldn't be even worth watching. If it is, then something went wrong. But let's talk about two ACC night games that we're going to pick. The first of these, Duke five and one travels to number two Florida State at six and zero. Oh. Why don't I go first this time? I made you go first with the last one. I'll go first with this one. And I'm coming up with it as we speak here. Let's go with Florida State 38, Duke 35. What do you got, Andrew? Not so fast, my friend. Uh, I don't know that Duke's quarterback is back yet. And if he's not back, the offense doesn't run through him. Florida State 45. Duke, 14. All right. Yeah, that is a good point there. All right, well, let's move on to the other, I call it a big game. I'm interested in both of these teams here to see if this is a a, um, a whipping or to see which of these teams shows up. Clemson at 4-2 and two travels to Miami at 4-2. and two. A couple of teams that have been inconsistent have, have shown some promise. You go first this time. This one's not an easy one to pick. No, nah, Clemson's easily the best two-loss team in the country. I think that they, they win, and uh, I think they win fairly handily in this one. Probably three scores or more. Wait a minute. No, no. 
we're talking about Clemson. They don't score. So it's it's going to be 24 to 10 Clemson. All right. Well, I'm picking Clemson 35-21. So Terry does think they score. I think they score in this game. This is Miami we're talking about. That's that's a fair statement. Yeah, that's a fair statement. So we go to the Big Ten, and this is the next step in Michigan's road to being 9-0. and And number one, Michigan at 7-0 and travels to Michigan State at 2-4, and and um, they're going to pick a score in this game. It's not going to be pretty. No, so if you don't want to, if you want to pick a score, that's fine. I'm going to no, go no. with what Mi- I would say. Whatever Michigan's been doing, what is it, forty-five to seven, forty-one to seven, fifty-two to seven. Uh, this one Will could they be blank 15, somebody? fifty-nine to seven. I mean, Michigan State is not a good football team this year. No. They had all the off off field issues with their head football coach, who should have known better, who shouldn't have acted the way he did who cost himself $80 million, absolutely dumb-ass move, stupidest thing he could have ever done, don't know your audience. Now, moving on, Michigan, a revisiting of our conversation of Michigan again, the number one team in the TNA top 10 poll for one reason and one reason only, and I think we both agree, consistency. Mm-hmm. Michigan has dog-walked every single team they've played, None of those games have been close. The defense comes and plays lights out. The offense is starting to really gel now that Harbaugh's back on the sideline. There is only two games left on Michigan's schedule as far as they're concerned, and that's Ohio State and Penn State. And everybody else is just getting beat up along the way before the Big Ten championship game. Michigan in a route over Michigan State, and it don't make a shit that this one is Michigan State at home. Right. So I think you I think you got a 45-point margin of victory in this one. If they decide it's going to be, yeah, pretty much. So let's go to our final um, pick em game of the day in the Pac-12. Here's an interesting game. We've got Utah at 5-1. They've been able to, to keep a decent record of 5-1 um, while waiting on their quarterback to come back. They were your pick at the beginning of the season to win the conference. They travel to a USC team licking their wounds at 6-1. and one. This one's not easy, sir, so I'm going to make you go first. So, USC's licking their wounds. I don't think there's enough pressure bandages in all of Los Angeles, California to make up for what happened to them against Notre Dame. USC got exposed. Everybody knows they don't play defense. And here's the problem. For the second straight week in a row, you are playing an elite defense that has held every you every Pac-12 team to less than 20 points this year. And I'm going with Utah. Utah by 14 in this one, Terry. Um, let's say this one, let's make it 31-17, Utah. I think they get it done by copying exactly what Notre Dame did in South Bend. All right. Well, you're pretty close to my score. Um, I'm picking Utah 34-24 here. I have a little bit of faith in Caleb Williams bouncing back a little bit. The only other game I've got worth mentioning here in the Pac-12 at night 
is Arizona State at one and five, traveling to number six, Washington, coming off of their big victory with Oregon. They are six and zero. Oh, should not be a contest at all. Arizona State is not much. And that's all the games that we want to run down this week, sir. Do you have any final thoughts for this week as we get some sleep tonight and get geared up for some Tuesday night football tomorrow night? Yeah, so I won't be watching any of that, but I will tell you what I will be watching. James Franklin, victory in Columbus over Ohio State because we've gone to church three times in the last three weeks, and we're going again. Fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever for our beloved listeners that love to hear my crazy ass. I truly believe all of the fuck Ohio State vibrato aside, I truly believe this is the best team that James Franklin has had with the opportunity to take take down Ohio State in Columbus. I don't think it's close. I think that this defense is something special. I think we're going to see a grinder out game. You're going to have a busted coverage or a penalty that's going to lead to some score. If there's a turnover, that's where you'll see what which team is really elite because one of them has to has to make the other pay. It's the only way you're going to break the stalemate in this game because both of these defenses are so good. I talked about the, the in-game rivalry play that you had between um, Texas and Oklahoma, between Venables and, and Starkeesian in that Red River shootout where you could just see the mind working. You're going to see the same thing in this Penn State game and Ohio State game. Something's got to break. So again, all the vibrato for the hatred of Ohio State, which is legitimate, by the way. But for business purposes only, I can be serious for even 36 seconds. And that is, this is going to be the game of the week. It's not even going to be close in terms of the quality of the game. This is going to be the one to watch, and this is the chance Penn State's been waiting for. Yeah, I guess my final thoughts are kind of mirroring yours a little bit. Obviously, I'm on the other side of the pick here, but uh, we were excited to watch Oregon-Washington. We were looking forward to that game last week, but I think we're getting something similar, but maybe a notch above that here. These are uh, defensive-minded teams. You know, you and I agree that we prefer that style of football. Uh, We're going to be really excited about seeing this. I'm glad that we're going to get to see it this weekend. I know it's going to be great. I'm glad that it's happening, whether the team that I pick wins or not. It'll be what it's going to be. And uh, I think that's going to be the story of the weekend. Um, You know, there will be some surprises as always, but, you know, I don't see anything matching up with this, what this Ohio State and Penn State game promises to be. And with that thought, and I thank you as always, Andrew, for talking with me for a couple hours and not being too bad on me here. But um, you guys can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you would be so kind to give us a review, make it good. We would really appreciate it. And uh, any feedback that you, you can provide, maybe not any feedback. Don't be a jackass, like I always say. Have a great week, everybody.